Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Whether you are listening to this podcast or you are watching us on YouTube, we are so glad you're joining us and we have a great show in store for you today. So we encourage you to download the show notes and follow along. My name is Amber Jordan and I am here with Dr. Michael David Morales, aka Mo. How's it going today, Mo? Hey, what's going on, Amber? I'm doing well. Got my big cup of coffee today, so I'm ready to go. Let's All do right. It. Well, we are. We titled this episode "Leaders Promote Emotional Intelligence," and I remember when you asked me to read the book "Emotional Intelligence 2.0" a few years ago, and I remember thinking, "Why would he ask me to read this? I'm already really emotional, right?" <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to comment on that uh, to protect the innocent, mainly me. Yeah, but I thought, wow, <laughs> I, I excel at this emotional stuff. But really, you know, because I had spent some time thinking about what it meant to be self-aware. So I kind of was aware of my own emotions and thoughts and and I but I what I didn't understand and what you so kindly pointed out was that there's a difference between being self-aware and socially aware which is what emotional intelligence 2.0 talks about and so I, I really you know I understood myself in a way but I didn't understand how my leadership or my um the way I communicated with people, how that affected their thoughts and their emotions. And so in their book, they say this quote, they say relationship management is your ability to use your awareness of your own emotions and those of others to manage interactions successfully. And I thought that was really good. And so we're going to talk today about managing interactions successfully. And you have three things that you think leaders are really important for leaders to do that help them promote emotional intelligence and manage those interactions successfully. So why don't you tell us what the first one is? Sure. The first one that we want to talk about today is this leaders always improve communication. And uh, there's, this is kind of a twofold um, point here and leaders are always about communication, right? We talk about that all the time and you want to do a couple things with this. First, you want to improve your own ability to to communicate. And this, of course, is a lifelong process. And there's that word again. We talk about it being a process. And the second is that you need to help others improve their communication, both with you and then with others in the company. And so that's going to make you a better group collectively, which, of course, will extend to your clients and the stakeholders around you and pretty much anybody that uh, you come into contact with. Well, I think we all understand that communication is important. And, you know, the, I think we try to be good communicators, but it it's not our fault that other people don't understand us, right? <laughs> Except for, you know, you would say, I'd say, I'd love to help people improve their communication, but they just don't get it. They don't understand what I'm trying to tell them. To which you would respond, <laughs> it's not their fault, it's your fault. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so how do we become more aware of our own needed growth in communication? Well, learning how to communicate in business will either catapult your company into the next level of productivity 
or it's going to bring it down and it's going to make life really difficult, not just for you, but for everybody around you and in your business. And it's just, it's not going to be fun. And so there's a really good article that's put out by Ryder University that I want to kind of go into depth a little bit on this point. And it breaks down uh, communication into four different styles. And today, um, when we go over these styles in depth, just a little bit, uh, but not too much, of course, um, you'll learn that it's important uh, to begin to recognize the different styles and see which one that you maybe lean towards and lean away from, right? So not to say that you need to put yourself in a box because we never want to do that and that's never what these are about, but it's more just figuring out, well, how do I start? And this might be a, a good place to start. So this isn't an extensive list, but it's a good list and it's one that you might use. But um, if you don't know where to start, I mean, th this could be it. So, so here you go. Uh, the, the first of these is there are what's called analytical communicators. And, and, and I love analytical communicators because um, these are the people that focus on statistics and figures. And for these people, it's all about facts, numbers, data. These are the important things. These are the things that, that are needed for the success of, of the company in their minds, of course. So if you are really this kind of communicator, what does it mean for the people on your team um, that don't share your style, right? I mean, what, what if there's people on your team that aren't analytical communicators? It means that they're very frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they are. And really, analytical communicators in general aren't necessarily the most emotionally grounded people on the team. And, and I guess that, that that's the, the nice way to put it, right? <laughs> because they're all about logic. Uh, but sometimes getting rid of the emotions is exactly what a situation needs, right? Sometimes we need to to take ourselves out of the out of the picture frame. Is what one of my mentors told me. He said, "Mo, sometimes you just need to you need those people that can step outside of the picture frame and kind of see the picture for what it is." And that's tough. But your analytical communicators, they're the ones on your team that are going to be able to do this. So these are the people that can get their messages across pretty good, even if sometimes it comes across maybe cold or, or displaced even. <laughs> but remember in a previous episode that we talked about getting results. And these are the people, these analytical communicators that can get results because they use the numbers. In fact, um, I use this style sometimes as a swim coach. Um, and pretty much I've taken every assessment known to man, right? And of course, um, you know, for, for my clients, I, I, I like to use the DISC assessment. And so without getting to, to, into all the particulars about this particular assessment, um, it does touch on the positive and negative personality uh, traits that each person has. And for me, the analytical piece is, is negative, meaning when I get, uh, when, when, when things don't go my way or I'm, I'm feeling under pressure, I tend to start getting analytical. And so even though I'm not an analytical communicator, I can fall back into the negative piece of it. Now there's analytical communicators that use it for the positive. I just happen to be <laughs> on the other side of the spectrum. And so for instance, um, you know, when I'm coaching swim, as I mentioned, I'll be on deck, little things will start to bug me. I'll look at the clocks um, that, that the swimmers use to, to keep their times. And I'll say, that's off. And then I'll, I'll make the kids get out and, and they got to go fix it. And they got to make sure it's on perfectly. And they're just like, man, coach is, is he, he's in a bad mood today <laughs> because I start, nit, I start nitpicking. Right. And so, you know, um, those kind of things will bug me. And I can see that, you know, I, I'm really not, not that, that analytical person, but the, the question is, does it really matter that, that those clocks are in sync? Well, probably not. But you know, the, the point that, that I'm trying to make here is that, you know, I focus on details in the wrong manner. And so I would say that's not healthy. What I look for 
is the people on my team who are analytical communicators in the right sense, the ones that use the facts, the numbers, they don't nitpick on the details, but they know the details. They're the ones where I can look to and say, hey, help me out with this. I'm not understanding how this data works. And they're the go-to people. Yeah, so I would imagine that somebody who's really good at the um, analytical communicating, you know, they actually probably use the numbers and the data and information to inspire people, whereas, you know, maybe like you, if you're not telling a story or saying things that are helping inspire people, if, if you have to result to the numbers, then it might be a sign like inspiration has been lost. <laughs> and that's really what it is. I mean, for those analytical people, they, they, they are driven by that data where somebody like me, I fall back on it because I don't know what else to do sometimes. And so that, that's a really good point. So that, that, that's the first kind of communicator. The second category consists of the intuitive communicator. And these are the communicators who were pretty much on the opposite end of the spectrum of the previous group. <laughs> they figure out what the goal is for a specific project, for instance, and then they focus on the bigger picture. These are the people that are always the most helpful on the team when it comes to not getting caught up in the little details. Things don't bother them. They just figure, ah, we're, we're going to roll through that and, and, and we're going to make it happen in spite of some of this stuff that doesn't seem to be on our side. And so they know that the team is going to be able to achieve something just based on being intuitive about a situation, knowing, well, we've been through this before and we can do it again. And so they just continue to keep their nose to the grindstone and then they work. This is what Jim Collins, for instance, refers to in his book, Good to Great, as the hedgehog concept. And I love the hedgehog concept because what it says is that at some point at the beginning of a project, the team has to put in the work. There's no substitution for good, hard work. Nothing that has ever been achieved has been worth anything if it didn't take a lot of time and effort. And as my dad used to call it, a little bit of elbow grease. <laughs> Meaning sometimes all the facts and the figures, all those things, they do matter. But you know, if you just work hard enough, you're gonna figure it out. You're gonna figure if I keep working hard and, and, and using that elbow grease and, and, and just getting down and dirty, you know, things are gonna end up going your way. And so you just kind of, kind of hold on onto that, that intuition. And remember, we've talked about Angela Duckworth, right? And she says in her book, which is called Grit, and I mean, that kind of gives away the whole book, right? In Grit, it says that there is no substitution for perseverance. And so the question is, are you willing to do the things that others won't do when it's not fun anymore? I mean, everybody gets excited at, at the beginning of a project, right? <laughs> but how long does it stay that way? This is where intuitive communicators can be helpful on your team. They're the ones that can see things before they happen. And usually they're the ones that get the most excited on your team. And so if they are, are there, you wanna use them on your team to help keep things fresh and change things because it just gets, it gets monotonous, doesn't it? I mean. Hard work is not always fun and nobody wants to put in, in the work sometimes. And sometimes we get to the point where like, man, none of us want to put the work in anymore. That's where your intuitive people and the people that, that know, you know, we can just hold on to this. They're going to be helpful in that. But, but, but of course there, there are some negative pieces to, to, to the, to the intuitive communicators and mainly sometimes they just leave the details out <laughs> because these people are so goal oriented that they're willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done and make decisions and changes on the fly. And so as you can imagine, these people probably leave some people out of the loop and then end up frustrating people because then others are like, well, what's going on here? Well, why do you think that is? Why do you think they tend to leave people out? 
Yeah, intuitive communicators don't don't like when others move too slowly because they're intuitive. They're already thinking ahead of the game. And so they have an opinion um, that that they think is right. And so it can be problematic because it can alienate other people. They just don't let them into the process sometimes. So it's not that, that they dislike the process. It's just that their process is just changing so much. Sometimes they don't communicate it well. So if you're out there listening and you are an intuitive communicator, always make sure that other people know what's going on. And, and, and it's not just you that knows because that's going to make you frustrated and then it's going to make your people frustrated. And so you can do yourself a favor uh, and, and bring people along so you don't have to go back and kind of tell them what's going on. If you don't do this, you're going to be frustrated and you got to have all the intuition in the world. But when it comes down to it, you're going to be stopped because you're going to end up looking back and say, well, I'm alone here. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what what is the third type of communicator? The third category we have today is the the functional communicator. And these are the people that love processes. They're the ones that like the step-by-step you know, let's reach the final product in the right way kind of people. And when I say the right way, I put that in quotes, quotes, uh, quote, the right way, close quote. So <laughs> they, they have a way. These are the people that love whiteboards. That's I mean, me. They're the ones. <laughs> that is me. Whiteboards, charts, diagrams, all of it. <laughs> and for, and, and for our, our listeners out there, I mean, Amber's not joking. I mean, she's got a whiteboard for everything. She's got diagrams and all this kind of stuff and charts. And I'm just, sometimes it just makes my head, my, my eyes roll back in my head and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to get lost in here. But you know, they, these people, sometimes they'll, they'll throw a bunch of information up on charts and graphs, and then they'll figure out a step-by-step process to the project, which is very helpful because if you don't have a, a story to tell, sometimes you can get lost. But Sometimes, you know, they, they do end up overlooking the little details because they got so many big things, so many big rocks in the hopper that a lot of the little pebbles end up kind of, you know, falling through and slipping through the cracks. But these people are action oriented. They love implementing new ideas. They love turning them into reality and they do it at a very, very quick pace. The downside for the functional communicators and uh, for our listeners, Amber has already uh, dimed herself out as being a functional communicator. I mean, these people can sometimes believe that, you know, if this way is the right way, then it's the only way and it's my way or the highway, right? And so, of course, as leaders, I see just laughing, right? I mean, we, we, we chuckle at the truth a little bit, right? So, but but the thing is, is, is when we alienate others, um, it, it ends up kind of, again, leaving us alone. And we don't want to be alone because leadership is all about people, right? So functional communicators um, don't see themselves in this way, right? They're just thinking, you know, I, I've, I've got all the graphs. I got the charts and just follow me. Let's go. <laughs> but sometimes they're not good at showing why people need to follow them. And so if you're a functional communicator, think about how can I communicate to my team why they should be following my great uh, charts and diagrams and so forth. <laughs> so if you're in this category, you know, yes, the right way matters. I know you're out there thinking, you know, if you're listening in the car and you're a functional communicator, you're just like, you know, banging, uh, banging the dashboard and you're just like, Mo, it does matter. Yes, the right way matters. But remember this, there's a lot of different right ways. And even if your right way is the best way, which I'm sure a lot of the times it is because functional communicators put so much time in. Remember this, remember that results matter, but relationships are always front and center. And so when you get frustrated with people out there, if you're a functional communicator, you need to take a step back and remember that your charts and your graphs and all the information that you have, <laughs> it they're important, but they're not as important 
as relationships and the people who are in front of you. Yeah, that that could not be more true, which is why the next communicator um, is especially helpful for me, but I think can be really helpful for our listeners too. So why don't you explain us, what is the fourth type of communicator? The final category is this, personal communicators. And these are the people, the personal communicators, that are the people who hold the team together. If you're hanging by a thread, these are the people who are skilled in seeing a ton of different perspectives and learning the reasoning behind why people uh, form their specific ideas and they're thinking, well, this person thinks that, but this person thinks that, and I got to get them on the same page. And they're always working. They're always working to communicate with other people. And they're always lobbying for somebody to, to, to come to a new idea because they know that this person needs to come on board so that they can be successful. And these personal communicators are like gold. And because they have this skill, this people skill, they ensure that everybody understands everybody else on the team and what they're thinking. Even sometimes when people don't want to be a part of that process. <laughs> so, but because these people are inspirational, they're the ones who foster trust. They're the ones who are always out there. They're, they're willing to, to, to lend a helping hand. They're willing to jump into the process and try to understand why everybody else on the team thinks the way that they do. And they always try to leverage the buy-in. That's why I love personal communicators. They're the ones who are saying, let's buy into this process. Let's be on the same team. Let's do this together. Now, the downside for these uh, personal communicators is that they can make other people feel really uncomfortable <laughs> because they don't know boundaries very well. They're, they're all about, hey, um, work's over. You know, if I have a question, I'm just going to call you at home tonight. And you're thinking, no, don't call me at home. I'm going home so I can get away from you for a little bit, right? <laughs> and I need to get away from your inspiration for, you know, just the next 16 hours, but I'll be back, right? But these people are usually just, you know, they're, they're probably the most emotional people on your team. Um, and they can get upset quicker, you know, and, and they can have thin skin sometimes. And, and that's some of the downsides. And, and of course, they, they never feel, <laughs> they, these personal communicators, they never feel like everybody else is kind of invested enough or as much as they are. And so, I mean, it, they, they, they do well in relationships, but at the same time, sometimes they can end up again, alienating themselves. Yeah, I have somebody on my team who is this to a T, although I will say she's pretty good with boundaries because she's done a lot of work on her own emotional intelligence, but she's definitely this person. And because she has connectedness as her top strength, I mean, she is always thinking about does everybody know everything that they need to know and do we have all the information we need so that we can all do what we need to do and how's everybody on the team feeling about what we just heard and all of this stuff and but she's so great at that then she really helps keep me kind of off the whiteboard or pulls me out of the diagram so that I can make sure that I'm connecting with people and not and actually communicating whatever it is I've dreamt up on the whiteboard that I can communicate it with people because I'm thinking I've got it up there. Everybody should know where we're going and what we're doing. And she's always bringing it back of like, OK, but now can you really tell us in a way that we all kind of get it? And so, man, she she really is the glue that holds us together. And yes, for, for this girl on your team and for other personal communicators out there, they're great at helping people uh, with, with somebody with your style, right? For instance, because um, they, they help to levitate you a little bit and, and get you, like you said, away from the whiteboard, away from the diagram. 
And so, you know, as you and I have talked about in the past, it's good for us to relinquish some of the power to allow other people to bring us to kind of sometimes even put our head in the clouds a little bit and say, Let, let's dream a little bit bigger, right? Because sometimes, you know, you, you can be so focused on getting things done that you forget to, to, to dream a little bit. So th these people, these, these personal communicators, you know, they're the most relational people on your team. They're the ones who care about people more than anything else. And they're willing to sacrifice stuff for the sake of relationships. And that's great that those are the people you want on your team. They understand that in the end, relationships are the most important thing above all else. And so with all that being said, my question for our, 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 our all of our listeners out there is this, what kind of communicator do you most associate with? I'm not saying that again, that, that you are just one or put yourself in a box. But when I was talking and, and when me and Anne were conversing, which one did you kind of think, Hey, that, that's kind of like how I am because it, it's not about just kind of, you know, making yourself say, well, this is just how I am because I don't believe in this is just how I am. I believe that leaders are always getting better. Right. But you need to, to understand that, that you need to figure out where you are and maybe you can use this, these kind of four categories to start and then run with it. Secondly, uh, another question is this, what kind of communicators do you have on your team? Because chances are, if you had to write them all down, your, write all your people down on a piece of paper, um, which I would strongly recommend, um, if you could assign them to one of these communication styles, where would they fall? Do you have a lot of people in one category or another? Because again, the, these aren't perfect, but it's a great place to start to find out the uniqueness of the people on your team. And when you realize that people are unique and different on your team, then you're going to get less frustrated when people don't understand you. <laughs> and instead you're going to begin to do whatever you can to understand their particular communication style, which is going to put you in a position to be a better leader. So Mo, we talk a lot about living in our strengths or doing what we do best and then surrounding ourselves with people that um, maybe excel at some of our weaknesses. But it sounds here like you're talking about maybe we need to adapt our communication style towards other people's style. Can you help me understand that a little bit? Sure. I mean, w when you communicate with people from all these different kinds of styles, it's going to, it's going to make you more in tune with the needs of each of those individuals, the team, and then, you know, the, the company as a whole. And so this is how leaders make themselves invaluable. And so if you're willing to be flexible and meet people where they're at, um, then it, it's, it's going to make you a better leader. And what I mean by invaluable is this, when you're flexible as a leader, you're going to be able to keep moving forward. And that's exactly what leaders do. They keep the team moving forward. So uh, we, we, have a, we have a saying um, that, that I've lived by for years, and it's this. Blessed are the flexible, for they will not be broken. <laughs> <laughs> so, so think of it this way. You need to be like a palm tree, right? So the, the reason palm trees can withstand hurricanes and, and all these different things that come along is because their roots are so deep that they'll bend and they'll bend and they'll bend. And you watch them on TV and you're like, that thing's totally going to break. But they never do because they have been able to stand the test of time because their roots are deep. And that's what leaders are doing. We are, we are building our roots deep relationally with all the different people and the different styles on our team so that we don't bend and when the hurricanes or that we don't break so that when the hurricanes of life come, you, you're never going to break because you're continually letting those relational roots get deeper and stronger.
Well, Mo, we are just about out of time, but we are going to cover the next two points in part two next week. But this has been really helpful. And it sounds like we all have some homework to do in making our lists and um, reviewing the communication styles of our people. So before we go, what are your final thoughts for us today? Yeah, next week's going to be a lot of fun because we're going to go a little bit more in depth on what it means to have that emotional intelligence and how to put it to work. And so this week, my encouragement for you is this, to write down, just like you said, on a piece of paper, those people on your team and figure out their communication styles. And again, you don't got to be perfect. Just try to try to figure it out a little bit, have some fun with it. And so you don't have to show anybody. This is just for you. And remember, this isn't anything scientific. It's just so that you can start thinking about your people in a different way from a different angle. So take a few moments and, and do what you can uh, in that venture to, to maybe start raising your own communication skills and help those around you to do the same. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you everybody for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next week.